Thanks for joining us for another great message from Futures Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to futures.church. And now for our message. As we've been talking about this morning, we've been in a series called The Promised Life, The Promised Life. And Pastor Josh started this series last week and just brought an excellent word and and I don't know about you, but I, I, there's just something about talking about the promises of God that fills you with just some, some faith. It fills you with some confidence. It does something in your spirit. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's what God desires His promises to do in our life, to encourage us. And, you know, I pray that that would continue this morning. And, um, you know, our heart really is that all of us would have a promise from God. You know, that all of, you, all of us would have a personal promise Word, something God speaks into our heart that encourages us in our season, our situation, our life, and our future. And so I pray that, that God helps us to be able to do that um, as we continue through this series and into this year as well. So I thought what, I wanted to start this morning by answering the question, what actually is a promise from God? What is a promise from God? So let's first of all look at a definition of a promise. Right, so I think we've got it up on the screen here. So a promise, this is from, just from the dictionary. A promise is a declaration or assurance that one will do something or that a particular thing will happen. Now, when you read that, does that remind you of any verse in the Bible at all? So for me, it reminds me of a verse found on Isaiah 55. So in Isaiah 55, the prophet is sharing with the people a message to bring them great hope. And it's a message that um, invites those who have a thirst for more than what the world offers. Those who are searching for more, saying there must be more. And he's saying, yes, there is, and it's found in God. Everything that you desire, that fulfillment, that, that, that what your heart searches for, it's found in God. And in this message that the prophet is delivering on behalf of God, he just so happens in the middle of this wonderful chapter of Isaiah, God provides for us through the prophet some important information regarding his word. And this is what he says through the prophet in Isaiah 55, 10 to 11. It says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So now notice for me that these are very similar. So the definition of a promise we said was a declaration or assurance that one will do something or that a particular thing will happen. But then in Isaiah 55 verse 11, God tells us that His Word will accomplish what it desires and achieve the purpose for which he sent it. You know, to me, God is describing his word almost the same as a dictionary describes a promise. To me, that means that a promise from God is anything that is spoken out of his mouth. Because whatever is spoken out of his mouth will do what it said it would do. It will accomplish what he said it will accomplish. So God cannot lie. Whatever he says must happen, so whatever he speaks is a promise. And a personal promise from God is whatever he speaks into your heart personally. 
So it's what God speaks into your heart. Now, over the last few weeks, Pastor Josh has kindly been telling you that I'll tell you the difference between a Logos and a Rhema word from God, right? So I figured out, well, I suppose I better do that, right? <laughs> um, and so um, I wanna try to explain that to you this morning. And I'm gonna try to explain it very simply in a way that we can all understand it. So if you're new to church, you've probably never heard those words before, Logos and Rhema. You probably think like, I've never heard that before. Maybe even if you've been in church for a while, you've never heard those words before because they're not really words that we use in our normal English language. Well, in fact, they're not even English words. They're actually Koine Greek words, which is the uh, uh, language or the original language that the New Testament was written in. And uh, they're two words, Logos and Rhema, which we in our Bible, in the New Testament, we translate into the word, word, right? Hopefully that's not too confusing, right? <laughs> but Logos and Rhema in English, in our New Testament Bible, is translated into the word, word, right? So let me give you an example. So for example, in Hebrews 4, verse 12, it says, for the word or for the Logos of God is alive and active. Or in John 1, verse one, it says, in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God, right? And then in Rhema, it's a Matthew 4, verse four, it says, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word or on every Rhema that comes from the mouth of God. And then in Luke 1, verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, may your Rhema be to me fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So we see in the New Testament, that both Logos and Rhema are translated into word in English. So then you might ask, okay, well, if they're both translated into the same English word, is there a difference between the two? Well, I would say yes and no, right? So let me explain. <laughs> so some scholars will say that <laughs> Logos and Rhema are simply two words used to describe the same thing. For example, such as pen and biro, or sink and basin, or shoes and sneakers, right? They'll say that they're two words that can be used interchangeably to describe the same thing. However, other scholars will tell us, no, they're actually two different things, or they're, they're, they're two words describing something similar, but different. And so for the sake of this series, that's the point of view that we're gonna take that it's two words describing something similar, but different. So how are they different? Well, let's keep it real simple. I'm gonna keep it real simple. When we refer to Logos, what we are referring to is the written Word of God, right? So the full canon of Scripture, that's Logos. On the other hand, when we're referring to Rhema, or some people might pronounce it Rhema, what we are referring to is a word God gives an individual that speaks specifically into their life or situation. Are we cool at the moment? So right, Logos is the written word of God and Rhema is a word God gives an individual that speaks specifically into their life or situation. And it's important to know that that Rhema word can come in a many variety of ways. So for instance, it can come through the word of God, it can come through revelation, it can come through a vision or a dream, a prophetic word. It can even come through other individuals. There's many ways that God can give us a rhema word. So Logos describes a written word of God. Rhema describes a word given to an individual by the Spirit of God. 
So now let me give you an example. So Matthew chapter five through to seven uh, in the Bible is known as the Sermon on the Mount. So it's this long sermon recorded in Scripture that Jesus preached to a, a disciples and a large crowd of people on the side of a mountain. So Jesus teaches this sermon, and in this sermon, He covers a whole range of different topics. Uh, he covers topics such as the Beatitudes, being salt and light. He talks about the fulfilment of the law, anger and reconciliation, divorce, oaths, giving, fasting, prayer, worry, judging, and so on. So there's a whole range of different topics that Jesus covers in this sermon. So now, if I was to, let's say I was to print off chapters five through to seven, and I was to give you that Sermon on the Mount. I was to print it off and I was to give you Matthew chapter five through to seven. What I would be giving you is Logos. I'd be giving you Logos. But if you now took what I'd given you and you started to sit down and you started to read through it and then you got to Matthew chapter six, verse 33, for example, which says, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things that were given to you as well. And as, as you read that verse, suddenly something jumps inside of you because you've been worrying a lot. You've been in a situation where you've been trying to deal with, with it on your own and you've been distracted. You've been putting other things first and things have been weighing on your heart and suddenly you read this verse and you're like, hang on a sec, why am I doing that? Like it's like all of a sudden it speaks in your spirit and says like, hey, Tony, Tony, if you just seek me first, if you just stop for a moment and readjust and prioritise me, all those things you're worried about, I will take care of. And it's like it speaks into your spirit. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God has taken Logos and for you made it Rhema, right? So Rhema is when God gives you a personal word that speaks specifically into your life or situation. Now, let me give you a real life example. So many of you know about, about five or six years ago now, my wife, Oster, she developed a condition where she had a spinal fluid leak. Pretty crazy thing to happen. And, and it was a very, um, it, it was an awful thing, caused her a lot of, uh, you know, it was a serious condition, caused her a lot of problems. Um, for a long time, we saw a whole bunch of different specialists. They didn't really know what to do. They tried some things, but they didn't really work long-term. And, and um, and this was a bad situation, like for, in the worst case, um, my wife was unable to, to stand up. Most of the time she was, she was bedridden and in the worst of times and um, she might be able to stand up for a few moments, but when it was really bad, not even a few seconds was almost impossible because she would just be in absolute agony because she'd lost so much fluid around her brain and down her spine that her brain had actually dropped and it was hitting the nerves in the back of her head. So anytime she stood up, just the pain would go through her body. And so it was a bad situation. And, um, and when they're trying to fix it and they can't fix it, it's even worse. But we're in this situation and, and, it's, and it's scary. You know, we're like, I don't know, you know what's gonna happen here. But in, in, in early on, early on when this all started to happen, I remember Oster coming to me one day and she said, I've just received a promise from God. She said, God just spoke to me through his scripture and she said, God gave me this, God spoke to me. He, he reminded me of Psalm 46, verse 10. that says, be still and know that I am God. Right? Now, when that verse was written more than two and a half thousand years ago, 
The psalmist was not thinking about Oster dealing with her condition that she was, right? Like Oster was not even a thought in her mind. <laughs> you know, he wasn't, she wasn't on his radar at all. If, if you've read through the Psalms, you know most of those Psalmists, they had enough problems of their own. They're not thinking about our problems, right? <laughs> well, that's why I love the Psalms. They're so rich and raw, right? Um, but when he wrote it, he didn't even know. He didn't even know that one day it would become part of the canon of Scripture that we'd even be reading in 2024. He's just writing down something that he felt God is, is stirring in his heart for his situation specifically. But even though that's the case, when Oster read that verse, it was as if God bent down and spoke into her ear and her spirit and said, be still and know that I am God, right? So now, so now no longer was it just a word that was relevant to some psalmist over two and a half thousand years ago, but now it was a word spoken directly to her for her situation in real time. And I tell you, when that happened, when God took that Logos and He made it Rhema, I can tell you it changed everything. It was amazing. It did something for us and for Oster especially, like suddenly we knew that no matter what was gonna happen, we knew no matter what we were facing, that God was in control, that He was gonna bring us through, that somehow He was in the midst of that situation with us. He said, be still, know that I'm God, I'm greater than what you're facing, I'm greater than what you're going through. We knew that God was fighting for us. And I know that many of you know exactly what I'm talking about right now because you've experienced that same thing. You've been in a situation and God has spoken something into your spirit through His Word, through a prophetic word, through a revelation, through a dream, a vision, or somebody else, and suddenly something shifted in your heart where this confidence, this perspective change happened because you've received a rhema word from God and you're like, this is not the end. God is over this. God has gone after something. You know, can I tell you, church, if there is an, ever an advert for the importance of not neglecting finding time to spend in the Word of God, that's it. Because I know if, if Oster had neglected spending time in the Word of God, not just when she was in a crisis, but way before that, because often that's what we do, we wait until we're in a crisis and then we're like, I need something. But can I encourage you, just be in the Word of God all the time and that something will come, right? There's ever and ever, it's there. The fact that she was in the Word of God meant that she could received that rhema word from God and it changed everything because a promise from God will not return void, amen? Man, it blessed us so much. So here's a question. How can you get a rhema word from God? Well, I believe there's two main ways. Two main ways that I'm gonna at least share today. Maybe there's others, but I believe there's at least two. The first main way you can get a rhema word from God is to seek after one. Seek after one. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus has finished ministering to a large crowd of people and He says to His disciples, I want you to get on the boat and I want you to go to the other side ahead of me while I go up to a mountain to pray. So the disciples get on the boat, Jesus heads up the mountain, and the Bible tells us that a few hours later, when the disciples are quite some distance for the shore, suddenly out of nowhere, they come up against this big storm. And this storm is beating them around and they're freaking out. Like they think, you know, this is, 
they're in trouble. And Jesus supernaturally sees that they're in danger and He feels in His spirit that He needs to go out to them. The problem is Jesus doesn't have a boat to be able to do that. And so by the power of God, He begins to walk on the water out to His disciples. As He's making His way out to His disciples, His disciples, they begin to see this figure coming towards them. And because it's difficult to see because of the winds of the waves and the storm, and it's loud and, and this distance is, I mean, walking on the water, right? Like they think it's a ghost. They, and they're terrified. They don't realise it's Jesus, they're terrified. Now Jesus, He picks up on their fear and He cries out to them over the winds and the waves, says, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. And Peter, who's on the boat, one of the disciples, he, he, he hears the voice and he sort of recognises it. He says to him, man, that sounds like Jesus. But, but I, I can't tell. It's like, it's, it's dark. It's in the middle of the night. It's storms are raging. And he's like, it sounds like Jesus, but I, I, I can't really see if it's Jesus. I can't be sure, right? So here's Peter. Peter's in this situation where he doesn't know what to do next. He doesn't know what to do next. He's stuck on a boat in the middle of the storm, which feels like it could, it, he could drown. And then out on the water, he sees a figure whose voice he recognises, but could also be a ghost. So he doesn't know what to do next. But thankfully, Peter does the best thing that you can do when you're in a situation like that. He asked for a word. He asked Jesus for a word. And he says to the figure on the water, he says, Lord, if that is you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says to him, come. Now, if it wasn't Jesus, that just would have been a word, come. I mean, someone said to me, come, that wouldn't give me a lot of faith to step out of a boat and begin walking on water in the middle of a storm. But I tell you, when Jesus spoke that word, I believe something leaped in Peter's spirit. Something touched his spirit, went past his mind and went into his spirit where it felt different. The young people say it would hit, hit me different, right? Like something hit him different where he's like, Whoa, I've just received a rhema word from God. He may not have been able to describe it that way. He may not have been able to understand it that way, but something hit him to the point where he knew there was something different about that word. Because a lot of people have been screaming a lot of things over the last couple of hours. A lot of people have been saying stuff, but then this word, this one word come, cut through all of that and it hit him different to give him the confidence and the boldness that no one else on that boat had. Because no one else received that word. And something hit him different. He stepped out of the boat and he began to walk on the water. And Peter shows us if you need a rhema word, you can seek after one. You know, I told you before, but I remember, I remember the first conversation I had with Oster. And uh, we were sitting down in a cafe. It was after a church uh, one evening when I was a, uh, you know, I was a young adult. And um, I, me and Oster, we sort of knew of each other, but we never had a, a um, conversation before. And I, I just happened uh, to sit down opposite her. And I'll be honest, I like what I saw, right? Uh, <laughs> I like what I saw. And I thought, hey, 
let's have a conversation, right? I thought, you know, I'm, she's, hey, thank you, Jesus, this is good, right? So I thought I'd talk to her and having a conversation and, and like I'm, I'm, I'm using everything I've got. It's not much, but I'm using everything I've got, right? Thinking, you know, and just trying to think, you know, maybe I can get her interested in me too, right? So uh, and I'm thinking, man, this conversation, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing great here. This is going awesome. Like this is, there's an ease about it. You know, she's, she's, uh, she's laughing at my jokes. She's giving me some eye contact. She's doing that hair thing that they say that they do when they like it. Anyway, right, things are going well. I'm thinking, this is awesome. And then I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in with a chance here. That's what I'm thinking. And then all of a sudden she said something that shocked me. She goes, oh, by the way, I do not date and I'll never marry an Australian, right? <laughs> now on the outside, on the outside I'm like, oh, you know what? That's amazing, that's fantastic, that's awesome. You know, like I love that you're so confident, you know what you want. I wish more people would be like that. On the inside I was like, are you serious? <laughs> like I haven't even got on the field to warm up and I'm already being sidelined, right? Like I'm like, this is terrible. Now, who knows in that moment, I have a choice, right? I have a choice, I can either back away, you know, and go, well, you know, I wasn't even interested to begin with, you know, like, what? Well, or, or, you know what, I can just swing for the fences, let's see what happens, right? Well, you guys know the end of the story, so you know what I did, right? So, miracles still happen, amen, right? So, but, <laughs> but I came away, I remember coming away from that conversation. I remember coming away from that conversation and, and uh, you know, we, we we started to sort of hang out a bit more and, and uh, it's true, she didn't date. I had to bring a mate along for the first couple. It was weird. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but uh, actually, Sean, I saw him here before. Where are you? He used to, be, he used to help me out, man. There he is up there. He used to come with me. It was me, me you, and Osler. It was hilarious. Anyway, you're a legend, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh, Sean. Anyway, you're a legend, man. I appreciate you. Um, we used to hang out for a bit and then we, and then we got to a point a couple of months and um, you know we're sort of like I realised if we were going to go any further I had to be serious about this because she was serious about it right? and, um, and, and that was fair enough because you have to understand Osta was from Norway and so she'd come over to Australia on a study visa um, to study journalism which is her first degree and um, she was about three months from the end of finishing that degree, and her expectation was to go back home to Norway or maybe even go to London, which she had spent some time in before. And then here's this Aussie guy come along, you know, like, you know, and so that's a big decision if you're gonna go serious. And at the time I was in the Air Force, I still had at least two years left on my contract in the Air Force, so I couldn't go anywhere. And so, you know, if we were gonna get serious about our relationship, then, you know, that could possibly mean a lot of changes and especially for Oster and, and what she was thinking. And so, so I remember we got a couple of months and we're thinking about, you know, we're at that point where it's like, are we gonna go to the next stage and, and be real serious about this or is it, you know, is it not what we're supposed to do? And so we decided, we decided, well, let's take a week apart and let's fast and pray about it. And so we did that. And I remember at the time not being quite sure how to go about it. I thought, we thought, well, let's, let's fast and pray and let's, let's ask God for a word. And I didn't really know how to go about it. Like, to be honest, I'd never really done something like that before. And, um, and so, but so I just decided to do the only thing that I, I thought I could do. I thought, okay, each night I'll just pray and I'll read my Bible and I'll just ask God to speak to me. Um, 
But before I could do that, I had to decide what part of the Bible I was gonna read. And to be honest, I didn't really know. You know, I didn't really, I wasn't, I was like, I don't know, I mean, it's a big book, where do I start, right? So um, I felt like, I, don't, I can't explain it, but I just had this feeling to just start in the book of Proverbs. So I just started in Proverbs. I don't know why, I, can't, I just felt at the time that's what I needed to do. So the first night I prayed for a few minutes and I started reading through Proverbs. It started from Proverbs chapter one. I got to about chapter five and that was good and it was great, but I didn't really get anything specific out of it. So the next night I did the same thing. Went to my room by myself, I prayed for a few moments and then started reading, picked it up in Proverbs chapter five and I read through to about Proverbs chapter 10. And it was, again, it was great, and, uh, but didn't really get anything specific. So I got to the third night and on the third night I prayed for a few minutes and as I'd done the previous two nights. And, but this time I started reading from chapter 10, but this time when I started reading, I, I couldn't stop. I got to, I'd get to the end of the chapter and I just had this urge to read another chapter and to read another chapter and to read another chapter and to read another chapter. And it was, it was, I, don't, I don't know why, but I just had this urge to just keep reading. And, and on that third night, I ended up reading right through to what I didn't even realise at the time was actually the last chapter of the book of Proverbs, chapter 31. Now, something that's important for you to know is that back then, I didn't read the Bible heaps. I read it occasionally, um, but I certainly didn't know that it was, you know, I didn't know it as well as I should. So I had no idea what was in Proverbs 31. I was about to find out, right? So, um, <laughs> so I turned over that page, I began to read through the chapter and, and I got to the very last section of that chapter, which is the very last section of the book of Proverbs and the last section had the title a wife of noble character. And it read in Proverbs 31, verse 10 to 11, it says, a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And I tell you, when I read that, it was like something went boom inside of me, and I can't explain it, except to say that immediately I knew God was telling me that Oster was the one, right? Oster was a gift from God. And from that moment, I knew that whatever we had to deal with, whatever challenges were ahead, whatever, you know, what, whatever obstacles we had to face or whatever, it was gonna be okay. Because I had a promise that said to me that God had blessed this. And this year we celebrate 19 years of marriage and it's been amazing, right? It's been amazing. But I tell you that to say, I realised that day, if you need a rhema word from God, you can seek after one and God will give it to you, amen? So the second way you can get a rhema word is to catch one. Is to catch one. In John 11, Lazarus, who's the brother of Mary and Martha, he is very sick. And so Mary and Martha, they asked Jesus to come and heal their brother Lazarus. So Jesus gets the message and Jesus agrees. 
But for whatever reason, Jesus chooses to delay. He doesn't come straight away. And in the time and in the days that Jesus delays, Lazarus passes away. He dies. And after his death, Mary and Martha, they, they prepare Lazarus for burial. They bind him, they wrap him, and they place him in a tomb. And they go into a time of mourning. And four days later, after Lazarus is in this tomb, finally Jesus arrives. And Mary and Martha, they hear that he's arrived, and so Martha goes out to confront Jesus. And she approaches, as she approaches, she looks at Jesus and she says to him, in John eleven twenty one, 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you'd been here when I asked you to come, if you hadn't delayed, if you hadn't waited so long, my brother would still be alive today. He would not have died. And most likely what she's saying is true. If Jesus had been, if he had come straight away, then he probably would have got there before Lazarus died and he would have been able to heal him of his sickness and he'd be alive and healthy right now. And so she's expressing her, if you like, her disappointment. She's frustrated, she's upset. She's saying, if you'd been here, he wouldn't be dead right now. But then look at what Martha says, it's something amazing. She says in John eleven twenty two, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. In other words, she's saying, I'm disappointed, I'm hurting, but I still believe in you. See, here's what I noticed. Martha's upset, she's experienced something extremely tragic, which she's finding difficult to understand. Like she's trying, I don't understand. Why did you delay? Why did I do this? I mean, she, she asked Jesus to come and help her, but he hadn't done what she expected. And sometimes when Jesus doesn't do what we expect, it can be difficult for us to process. It can be hurtful, it can be painful, it can be disappointing, it can be frustrating, and it, it can really wrestle with us when Jesus doesn't do what we expect. But what I love about Martha is even though that was the case, she hadn't let her heart get hard towards Him. I don't know why you didn't do what I asked Jesus. I don't know why you didn't answer me when I hoped that you would, but even now, I still believe in you. And then look at what Jesus says to her. It says in John eleven twenty three, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And right there, she catches a rhema word from God. Because even though she was hurting and disappointing, she kept her heart soft towards him. And if you keep your heart soft towards him, it's amazing what you can catch, even when you don't realize it's coming. And when she caught that word, suddenly life was breathed back into a situation that seemed totally hopeless. And if you know, if you read on the story that Jesus in three words says, Lazarus come forth and Lazarus is raised back to life. Can I encourage you church that keeping your heart soft towards God 
not only when things are going well, but most especially when they're not, is so important because it positions you to catch a life-changing rhema word from God. Now, I told you about Oster's uh, health situation and um, that we've been dealing with over the last five, six years, which, you know, if it was just that we were dealing with, that's enough. Oh, that was super challenging. Maybe the keys can come. On top of that, on top of dealing with that, we were also dealing with trying to build a house, which I've said to you a few times, which was supposed to be finished in August of 2021, but we didn't move in until December 2023. It's like two and a half years over. It was super stressful, cost us a lot of money, more extra in rent and different things that we didn't expect. So we're dealing with hot Oster's health issue. We're dealing with this stress of building a home. If you ever build a home, like even if it goes smoothly, it's stressful, let alone, you know, when you're in our situation. On top of that, we just transitioned to this campus, Paradise Campus from City Campus. And then three weeks later, COVID hit and that transition went, you know, belly up and, and like, like just even, let alone, let alone just dealing with life's challenges that come normally because life keeps moving, right? So it was a very, very challenging time and uh, probably the hardest season of my life I've been through. And, um, and you know, I, I, to be honest, about 12 months ago, it started to get really on top of me. And I was wondering, you know, if I was gonna make it. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, is this ever gonna end? It was just, it was a lot. And can I tell you, I'd prayed. I'd prayed and I'd asked God over and over and over again to come and intervene. And every time it seemed like He wasn't answering. Every time it just seemed like more and more stuff was just getting thrown on. And it was, it was challenging and nothing was changing. And my faith, I can tell you church, my faith was being challenged. I was upset. I was frustrated at times. I was certainly disappointed. I was asking all the questions that you do, all those why questions. Why has this happened to us? Why are you not doing anything about it? Why is my faith not working? Why will this not change? And I can tell you, church, it could have been so easy for me to get bitter and my heart to get hard towards God. Because I was hurting. Oster was hurting. My family was hurting. But you see, the thing was, I've seen him over the years be too good to me. I've seen him be too faithful. I know where my life would be if it wasn't for his grace. I know how much he'd bless me. So no matter how disappointed, no matter how hurting it was, I just, I couldn't help but to keep my heart soft towards him because he'd been too good to me. And I'm so glad that I did because not long after that, about 12 months ago, around just after that time, I was in a meeting at our city campus. We had a staff meeting. Pastor Jane was sharing. At the end of that, we had a time of worship. And I wasn't expecting it. But in that time of worship, as my heart was soft. I caught a rhema word from God. And He said to me, he said, I can sense, feel, I can see it right now. I can feel it right now. As I'm standing in that room, he said to me that when you get into that new home, it'll be the closing of one chapter and the beginning of a new one. And I tell you, I took that word and it just spoke so 
deeply into my heart that made me know this will come to an end. This will not be forever. That God is still with us. God's still fighting for us. We're gonna have a testimony at the end of it. And I tell you, church, when we moved into that home in December of last year, as true as I stand here today, that's exactly what I have experienced that it's like that chapter is over and we're excited about the future. I felt my energy come back. I felt my faith come back. I felt my spirit come alive. I've seen my wife better than she's been for a long time. I've seen my children flourish. I've seen God's favour. It's been awesome. But man, I'm so thankful I kept my heart soft because if I'd missed that word, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, man, but I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I call that word from God. See, church, rhema words can be sought or they can be caught. But either way, they require proximity to God. They require us drawing near to Him. He says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. If we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. Just stay close to him. Seek him. Ask him. He's a good father. He cares about you. If you need a word, God, I need a word. Peter's like, I need a word. I can't take another step until you give me a word. If you need a word, He's a good Father, He'll give you a word. Sometimes you gotta seek it. Sometimes you gotta set time aside to, to go after it. Maybe you gotta fast, maybe you gotta pray, but you're like, I, I'm gotta go after you, I gotta get a word. It's like, like Jacob, I will not let you go until you bless me. Because in you, it's only your word. Only what comes out of your mouth is what I wanna build my life upon. You can look for a word anywhere else, but I'm telling you, friend, it will not support you like a word from God can. It will not speak. It might speak to your mind for a moment. It might speak to you for a moment, but it will not last. But the Word of the Lord stands forever. I tell you, it will rise above every storm, every challenge, every opposition, every obstacle. That Word will not return void. So maybe you've got to seek after it. Or maybe, maybe you've been up against it and you've felt just this, this frustration, this anger, this bitterness rising in your heart. Friend, do not let the enemy, do not let the enemy harden your heart and draw you away from God. That's the worst thing that you could do. Sometimes it feels like that's what we should do. I, I, can't, I, I just need it by myself. I need to be isolated. But God, that's, the enemy would love that because he doesn't want you to receive that word. He doesn't want you to catch that promise. He doesn't want to have that rainbow word, but just keep your heart soft. Because it may come at any moment. It may come at any moment. He knows exactly what you need. It can even happen right now. In this moment, right now. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. 
and He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past, and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did, and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward, and I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.